Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to Bibliostapes Instruction. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being rejoined by photographer Alex Boyd, who is uh, back over from Australia for a very short stint in Scotland. Good evening, Alex. Hey, good evening. How are you doing? I'm not bad. Not bad at all. It's been a bit wet and dreek recently in Scotland, as, a, as you were telling me from your own travels and your, your higher car floating down the road. But uh, other than that, it's not bad at all. How's your How's your trip been back over to Scotland? It's um, It's good to get the drink back into my veins. Um, I've missed it. Um, those grey, those battleship grey skies. You know, you do miss them. You know, when you just got endless sunshine. Um, and that sounds sarcastic, but I really do mean it. <laughs> it. It must It must be hard. Yeah, battling the thirty degrees Celsius temperatures all year round to have to come back to Scotland. In, in autumn when there's very little autumn colour and it's just a, a wonderful sea of grey and rain, but here, that's life. I oh, know, I, I love it. It's, it's complete opposite. Um, just that having that mood, it feels like an introspective place um, to be and to walk in it. And, you know, I feel I've not done a lot of photography in Australia since I got there and having the landscape here, I just, you know, I've got like three cameras on me now and I'm just uh, trying to work out what I want to do. So, yeah, I find it really inspiring. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, you obviously we obviously spoke quite some time ago, but um, it's great that you're able to join and have a chat about your recent book, The Point of the Deliverance. But for everyone who's not or who doesn't know you or hasn't listened to you before, it'd be great if you could give us a, an introduction to your photographic journey and background, Alex. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, my name's Alex Boyd. I'm a photographer, a writer. I've been a curator and done various things in between. Um, I've just finished a doctorate, um, so I'm a doctor of philosophy, so I've just done a three, four-year uh, stint uh, looking at uh, military photography in Scotland. So um, uh, during lockdown, um, I was out on military bases um, documenting the MOD's landscape in Scotland, um, which was fascinating, looking at those kind of forbidden places. Um, and prior to that, I guess if I'm known for anything, it's probably um, wet plate collodion photography. Um, I've been dragging a big... Uh, big old camera around Scotland and Ireland for many a year and uh, developing images in the landscape in the way that the Victorians did. Um, but I tried to sort of do more of a modern twist on that. Cool. Okay. Very good, yeah. So obviously your your latest book kind of charts your journeys over a 10-year period, I think it was, around the west coast of Ireland and, and west coast of Scotland. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's... Uh, I can I can only imagine the challenges of dragging uh, your camera equipment and your dark tent etc up into some far flung places. So I'm interested just to know kind of how how the how the project came to life and and at what point you kind of thought about developing it further to to what it is now in print. Yeah, sure. Um so my my first degree was in art history and I've always been interested in visual culture. And I'm really interested in how the Celtic world represents itself. Yep. Um, so I did a series of works um, around about 2006 onwards called Sonnets, which was a collaboration with Edwin Morgan, who's the National Poet of Scotland. And um, they were kind of um, romantic images, sort of uh, trying to poke fun at the images of um, you know, lone men and landscapes and introspection yeah. and, and um, these kind of sort of uh, cod... Um, Cod romantic images. Yeah. Um, so I created sort of a very ironic series. Um, <clears throat> but I kind of got known for that. It got widely exhibited. And um, I think I wanted to kind of push against that. 
Um, I didn't want to be known as the guy who just took pictures of people from behind in the lands for years, I suppose. <laughs> um, and at the same time, I was very interested in early photography. So just by chance, um, I was down in London um, showing some work and I went into the Sally Mann exhibition, uh, which was at the Photographer's Gallery, um, which is called Land and the Family, I think. And I was just absolutely blown away seeing her prints in person. Um, I'd always kind of struggled to document the Scottish landscape in a way that I felt was kind of like meaningful to me. Yep. And um, when I saw her images of the Southern States, um, kind of ghostly and scratched, and they had this kind of ethereal quality to them. I thought, well, you know, I'd love to take photographs, you know, using that process and then applying it to the subject matter. Um, but I kind of thought, well, that just all seems a guy um, because the process is expensive and it's arduous and it's difficult. Anyway, just by chance, uh, I was invited to exhibit in Glasgow um, a couple of months later. And um, I shown a, it's a show with like Thomas Joshua Cooper and a bunch of other photographers. Cool. Um, and this guy came up to me and was talking about his work in the exhibition, which was tintypes. And I thought, wow, there's someone here in Scotland doing tintypes, a guy called Carl Radford. And um, he was very kind to me. He, um, uh, I came along to a workshop and I was terrible at it at first. And he kind of <laughs> uh, took me under his wing for a while and helped me um, pour, develop and make images. And then eventually I bought all the gear, all the chemicals and equipment and um, just kind of threw myself out there and started to learn to make images. And it's kind of perfect for me because I just thought I could apply this process to um, the Scottish landscape um, yeah. and kind of capture something that had been elusive. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think that, as you say, the ethereal quality of, 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 I suppose, the technique and the work is, is really nice. Mm -hmm. It adds a totally, it adds like its own sort of like, atmosphere or the, a, di a different experience to how you would normally view s some of these locations and um it yeah it just it just it sure. gives it gives it a different identity i think to to some of the work um which i think yeah it just it works really well sorry were you it's because they're handmade images yeah yeah sorry i just saying i think because they're handmade images you're literally um you know making them in the field you're pouring the chemicals yep. onto a plate and then developing them there and then um you, you capture something of the place and you know i think i love digital photography um i think you know it can it can achieve the same thing um but with wet plate i just felt it was more of a kind of um a really physical process you know and really one which was uh much more um mental and kind of almost spiritual if that makes sense although i'm not a spiritual person i felt there was definitely a, a deeper connection maybe as a photographer with matter for myself that yeah makes sense. yeah I, I, absolutely I, th I think it also presents its own challenge as well as you see you're you're having to take everything that you require out into the landscape which it kind of sets up a different a different set of challenges that that normally you would have if you were just taking out even if you were just shooting ordinary normal film and actually having to like kind of embed yourself in the landscape and you're thinking about all those different elements as well and all those challenges as well as actually taking getting the shot that that does it justice for sure yeah i mean it completely changes your approach to every every landscape or every subject because you know, um, if you're shooting straight from the car, like if you set up your darkroom in the car and photographing from the side of the roads, you know, to an extent, you can just kind of rock up somewhere, pull out the camera and develop as you go. 
And that's um, Sally Mann did a lot of that in her work. Um, you know, she set up a darkroom in her car. There are other photographers like Jack Lowe, who who bought an old ambulance and yes. converted yeah. it for his, for his amazing lifeboat project. Um, but for me, it was kind of more of a hybrid thing. Um, I had a dark box and a dark tent. And I had the best um, thing of all, which is a brother who's a Royal Marine commando. And uh, he would help me uh, carry some of this stuff, like when I was on Sky, for example. But, you know, the usual thing photographers do, get obsessed with the weather and checking all the yeah. all the light conditions. You know, you've also got that, but you also have things like you have to check the temperature so that the chemicals don't freeze. Uh, you've got to make sure you're not going to get blown over. Um, you know, you need a really sturdy tripod. So it becomes this huge logistical exercise uh, sometimes when... You know, before you could, I could just throw a camera in my backpack and go marching over the moors. I just couldn't really do that with wet plate. So it was this yeah. really big exercise. Um, but one, hopefully, that I felt I made some more kind of weightier images, maybe, um, because I considered them for so long. Yeah. And, and how, did, how did you identify locations? Was just obviously it's a, it's a big journey for you, a personal mm. journey as well. Were the locations that were personal to you? Was it subject matter that was personal to you? What what kind of factors did you, you consider when you were kind of planning your locations and planning the shots? There's a few different things. Um, so um, I'm from a working class Scottish background. Uh, so I didn't grow up with money and I didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, I grew up between Argyll and Ayrshire, because that's where my family are from. And yeah. I never really got to see much more of Scotland. But for some reason, I found I was really good at writing grant applications, right? Which is a bit <laughs> sad, but there we go. <laughs> um, and I was very lucky. I got a, a residency in Ireland that, that I'd applied for, mm -hmm. because, you know, you you miss all the shots you don't take. So I was sending out all these uh, residency applications, and one got back to me and said, yes, come to Ireland for three months, and we'll give you a house and a studio. And, you know, you don't have to pay us. And I thought I'd like won the lottery. You know, of course you have a, an imposter syndrome which goes on if you're from a certain background, like, do I deserve this? But um, I went over there for three months to Mayo, uh, to the, the Ballangon Arts Foundation. And that allowed me to kind of um, practice wet plate in um, really windy, harsh environments on the, the Atlantic West of Ireland. And, you know, while I was there, I was also offered another residency on the Isle of Skye. So I had these two locations, one in Ireland and one in Scotland. Yeah. And from there, I had an, uh, an interest in archaeology. Um, because at the time, I was working as a, a museum officer for archaeology in Dumfries. And I was really interested in Colm Killy and St. Columba and all these early uh, saints who travelled around the west coast of Ireland and Scotland. And um, I decided that... That, that would be one of the thematic things which linked the project is that I would travel along, along what would the old sea routes of um, the west of Ireland and the west of Scotland. Um, so once I had that kind of framework, um, I started to look at locations, ones which kind of had like a, a resonance or kind of a, a presence, um, quite often a kind of a gothic feel to them. Yeah. Um, the town I grew up in, Irvine, um, is, is well known for um, Edgar Allan Poe lived there. <laughs> as a child. So we kind of grew up with like all these literary references. Uh, Robert Burns also lived there. Yeah. And um, so I was always interested in literature, writing and the Gothic and the imagination. So I started to pick locations which had a resonance and a kind of a, uh, would have an, not an ominous, but have a sort of a brooding feel to them maybe. And I think that comes across in the images or hopefully it does. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And I think also just your, your other, 
historical archaeology or those interests as well i think also strongly come across in the work and the, the selection mm. of images and some some of the more the more uh not your what you class your traditional landscape some more of the detailed shots and things like that. i think that those really come across in terms of terms of your interest and in, mm. in, and also as you say then the link from 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 the journey from one one location to the next to the next which which yeah i think all these things need to. There's a book's got to tell a story. It's got to tell a narrative, and I, I think that all adds to to the journey that you you present. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, we did try to present the book as a journey, so it's broken yeah. down into areas. Um, I mean, it's it's not as they were shot, but yeah. it does give that kind of feel. Hopefully, but um, I wanted to kind of um, there are no. There's only one person in the whole book that appears. You know, only one one person. Um, in the landscape and that wasn't me trying to sort of um, have these kind of empty landscapes it's just kind of how it worked out but I felt very much there in the work because I've tried not to just shoot romantic landscapes I've tried to show things like um, you know some of the detritus that we leave behind um, there's industrial workings there is um, the modern site of um, of a protest against the Shell Oil Company you know, all the way through to like um, Mesolithic and Bronze Age artifacts, you know. So just, I tried to show some of the different ways that people are in the land. Um, so tried to push against a wee bit of the romantic while also playing with that imagery as well. Yeah, I, I think um, that, I think the addition of actually how people work, how people use, how people uh, live within the landscape as well. I think that it adds mm -hmm. context and a bit of realism to, to so much work as opposed to just the out and out traditional a large vistas that we're maybe more used to um and I, th I think it just gives it gives a bit more depth to, to to a body of work as well that's kind of so you've broken up a wee bit there. um yeah i mean i was i'm speaking to you from the isle of Arran. yeah <laughs> and um one of the reasons i'm here is i was part of an archaeological project uh yesterday um they've got a huge cursus monument here which they discovered a couple of years ago and I think archaeology is one of my passions. And I think that kind of comes through or hopefully comes through uh, in the book. It has this kind of, you know, the Victorians were antiquarians. They were obsessed with a modern antiquarian using this old process to kind of go in the footsteps of the old photographers by having a modern twist on that kind of antiquarian um, fascination with the landscape and those who kind of came before. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, you mentioned that you kind of, you've kind of structured in terms of the journey from Ireland to Scotland. Um, I suppose, I I think for me, you could probably actually, even if you didn't know that that it was in that structured order, I think the sequence of images would just work so well. It just there's a there's a natural feel that kind of just feels as though you're taking, uh, take, taking the journey from I suppose west to east and then all the way north as well. That's yeah. Well, that, I'm glad that that comes across. Um, because we're sort of following the sea route, as it were, up, you know, up to the north. Um, I was quite lucky to work with Greg at Kozo Books, who was really supportive of that way of structuring it, and he had a lot of good feedback, you know, as the book kind of came together. Yeah. On that. And and the challenges, I think, was it ten years you spent working on the photographs? Mm. Why such a long time? How how? I'm sure I'm sure there's a valid reason for it, but it just it's it's a long <laughs> it's a long project to to have. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's just life reasons, really. You yeah. know, 
um, I'd, I'd get the chemicals out and make images. And the thing with wet plate is, you know, that book only shows a very small fraction of the images I've made over the years. Yep. And I think that I just always thought, oh, well, you know, I'll get up to Orkney and I'll get up to Shetland and I'll <laughs> do here and I'll do there. But sometimes I think spend your whole life doing this, you know, would drive you crazy. And one of them was, uh, I've got a child now, I've got a daughter, and uh, my wife is not keen on all those uh, nasty collodion chemicals. Uh, so I I think one of the reasons I kind of drew a line under it <laughs> was that, um, yeah, I don't want to cause marital strife. And yeah. I think it's my, my interest has sort of moved elsewhere. And it's really hard to keep up a project over 10 years. Um, I've got a lot of respect for photographers who do that um, or to have lifelong projects. I mean, it's a slog because I don't know how you feel with your own work, but, you know, I look back on most things I do and I go, oh, it's terrible. You know, I want to do this new shiny thing over here. And with this, um, I knew there was images that I was very proud of, but I always wanted to get to the next better thing along the way. Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree. And, I, I, um, yeah. Even work I made like a year ago felt ancient. Yeah, I totally agree. A, a ten-year project, yeah. your your interests and your your approaches and and what your what your eye likes and your styles can change very much over that period of time. So, to me, maintain such a consistent approach and consistent feel over that period of time is is very is very challenging. Very much so, and, and you know when when I first made a lot of these images, um, the ones I like the best are kind of more abstract. Um, yep. There's a. I didn't want to sort of be a Victorian photographer working today. Um, I wanted to create images which were kind of like moodier, like with more kind of mess and more. I mean, I can make clean images like a Victorian photographer, but I felt that would be too straight. So the idea was always to make these images and then really mess around with them. And I had a show at the Royal Scottish Academy, or part of a group show, uh, where they showed like my work in a room, and uh, that work was all collodion work from Scotland. But I'd worked with a design studio in New York and they like tweaked and messed the images up just slightly, you know, so mountain ranges fell and disappeared Ooh. and other ones grew. And, you know, I, I gave them sketches saying what I wanted them to do. And we rep we put the work on the wall and we didn't say the the, the series was called in Gaelic, the false land. Um, but people were like, oh, that's a beautiful image of the sky cooling. And that's, you know, the old man of store and, you know, uh, that slate or whatever. And people, because they could just see the collodion, you know, the old process, they didn't really look at that they were being deceived by the images. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt that was sort of a, you know, when you're younger and you just try to be a bit edgier or something, I just felt it was too kind of smart Alec, excuse <laughs> the pun. And that uh, people were actually, people really loved the, the straight collodion images or the kind of more dramatic ones. And I thought, you know, I'll stop sitting on these and put them in a book and, you know, get over myself and get over my ego, you know, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, th I think, as you say, it's it's nice to draw a line under something. I think, yeah, for people who have lifelong mm. projects, that's not my cup of tea. It's, uh, I'm, I'd rather just do something, move on to something else, maybe come back to it, but not not necessarily thinking right, I'm going to come back to this body of work at some point in the future. I think it's it's nice to always keep something fresh, and I think you can always look back on old work and think, ah, oh, right, okay, that's that was that, or yeah, this maybe connects to something I'm doing now, um, and I think that's where for me it makes it more interesting and 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 challenging, really. I think. 
No, very much so. Kind of reacting against or looking at your own work and seeing where you've come from, I mean, really does inform where you go next. Um, the, the photographer Paul Kenny, whose work I love, and he yep. made a lot of work out in Mayo, you know, he went back to work from like 20 years ago and remixed it, you know, like, yeah. you know, people remix music. And I thought, you know, why not? Why not take that old work with your ever all that weight of experience you've got over 20 years and then do something new with it? I mean, I, I've now been doing this for... What is this now? 2023? Yeah, so I guess about 20 years now. So I've got, you know, I've, in Australia, I've got a huge amount of negatives, you know, a huge amount of um, glass plates and so on. You know, I yep. keep thinking, I'll go back and look at some of that old work and maybe do something with it. Because like most photographers, I've got hard drives full and, you know, a room full of old work. And, <laughs> you know, maybe now is the right time to look at it. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm sure I'm sure if you look, at, look back through your old work, you would probably take a slightly different approach than you would do 20 years ago. It's like your your skill knowledge understanding etc has all evolved over, over that period of time as well um and uh but yeah it's i think it's uh it's a it's a beautiful book and working with greg as well very accustomed yeah. to printing photo books as well very knowledgeable in it and i think it shows it's for me it's a it's a lovely size of book actually um I think it, it allows it, it is because you get, but you get some books that are actually very, very big that you need to sit, you need mm -hmm. to put them down on a table. And um, then you get the flip side is you get some books that are very, very small and you maybe don't can't necessarily appreciate the scale of the work. And um, but I think for the for the work itself, I think yeah, it's a it's a great great size. I love that it's all black and white images. Obviously, I think it, it works really nice, nice black cover. Um, how was it yeah. working with Greg? Good fun. It was really good because. Um... I'd, I'd printed some stuff with Greg before because I had a small publisher called Dusk Press who I still do with stuff every so often. Yep. Um, Self-releasing and I've released David Linter and the book um, The Thunder Road. Um, yes. Uh, which was great. And yeah, obviously you featured him. That was great. Yep. Uh, thank you very much for that. Um, but I was so impressed with what Greg does with through Wells Printing yep. um, that I thought, well, he's got an eye now for, for photography books. And... The last couple of books I did before that were I worked with a commercial publisher in Scotland. I was kind of bringing out a couple of books. I brought out one on St Kilda and then one on yep. Isle of Lewis and Harris. And they're kind of they're meant to be subversive books in the photography market. You know, they're not kind of your standard uh, tourist photography books. Yes. But I was never really happy with the the print quality at all. Um, they they just use like a digital printer and um, it just wasn't. It didn't re reproduce the work well. So I kind of thought, well this work really means a lot to me and Greg knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I've, I've got a couple of Greg's previous books and I just thought there's, you know, beautiful. Um, and I spoke to him and I said, you know, this is what I want to do. This is how many images, you know, I want the book to be, like you said, um, a book you can actually look at without, you know, breaking your coffee table and a book that won't break the bank because when I was younger, I could barely afford photography books. So I wanted one, which was not, super expensive you know although there was obviously the option to buy fancier editions yes but i wanted it to be accessible you know for kids you know from my background or whatever um and greg said yeah yeah we can do all that and he also had the credentials where it was environmentally friendly the way he prints it well as best as he can yep so just he ticked a lot of boxes and greg's also got a great sense of humor so um he would roll his eyes at some of my suggestions and then go yeah okay that's cool but he also, when he said, no, that doesn't work, then, you know, I listened to him. At least that's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but he, no, he was great. I mean, I really enjoyed working with him. And he's very patient because 
the book came out, it was a long period to making the book. And we had, you know, um, we had obviously the lockdowns and COVID. The book started when I was in the UK and we we're still doing it when I was in Australia. Jesus. And the final edits of the book were done while I was about to hand in my PhD. So, you know, he was super patient and, you know, and we eventually got there, but the book in itself took quite a long time to come together. <laughs> and and yeah, how, it's good. how um, yeah, how how did you approach the sequencing in terms of image selection? I know obviously the I know the theme of the of locational wise, but as you say, you've got far, far more images than appear in the book. How how did you make how did you make the differentiation choice or the choices between which one which ones made it, which ones didn't? Or was it a combined well, I effort? Think, um yeah, um, there were images that Greg really liked that I wasn't so keen on and vice versa. Yep. Um, but we tried to have a kind of a variety. I mean, the book starts off with like a lot of coastal imagery and, you know, I didn't want it to be sort of a Thomas Joshua Cooper-esque, you know, <laughs> uh, um, travel around the west coast of Scotland and Ireland type thing. Yes. I, w- I want it to have much more of a human element uh, than maybe Thomas's work has, but still have kind of that poetic thing, that kind of weight. Um, so I've got a lot of seascapes and a lot of edge of the land stuff. And I thought, you know, I don't want too much of that. I want to have some of the mountainscapes and some of the more, um, dramatic vistas, um, as well as the human. So yeah, I sent him an initial edit and, you know, we discussed it and then cut it down. And then as the book was developing, he said, oh, do you have something more like this? And then I'd find more uh, glass plate necks that I hadn't scanned and, Yep. You know, so it's, it's kind of a long process, but no, it was, it was good in terms of uh, collaborative effort because we're on the same page for most of it, you know. Um, but yes, yeah, I think I'm happy with the selection in the end of it. It's got a good variety, I think. Yeah, I I think it's got a good variety, but I think with the, with all these things, you could continue. Probably if you if you chose to, I'm sure you could probably now to this day be deciding on tweaking wee images around here, there, and everywhere. I think at some point you've you've got to draw a line under it and say, look, this this represents what I want it to represent and say to the world. I think that's that's very true. I mean, you know, I open the book now and I go, well, maybe I would have moved that to another page or maybe wouldn't make that double page spread or but it can go on forever and ever. Like, you know, those images, you know if you make a book, as you as you'll know, you, you there is never an end point. Sometimes you just have to push out into the world and go, Okay, the next thing or you know, yeah. we'll fix it in the edit next time. You know, <laughs> that that that's yeah. it. But uh, yeah. but no, it, it's a it's a great book. It's it's a fantastic body of work that I think yeah, really re- really presents well, really presents nicely, and it's a lovely addition also to to the other work that you've you've published over the years as well. Um, obviously the the two books that you did through your own self publishing Dust Press a couple of was it a couple of years ago I think it was, um, and then some a couple of years now, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you do you see yourself? Yeah, I mean, um, I tried to. Um, yeah, it's kind of been a bit of a, a pivot, really. Um, I've been asked to. I've started writing like long form, like nature writing, and right. I started publishing. Um, it's kind of it's a weird one actually because um, there's a journal called Archipelago, and they've featured um, like Robert McFarlane or Seamus Heaney or um the artist julie brooke or all these people that i really respect and i sent them some some writing um about um what was it i wrote about um ayrshire and um making work in ireland and they really liked the work the writing and they published it 
And for me, you know, this is a journal I used to buy and go, oh, wow, these are the most amazing writers. You know, <laughs> Kathleen Jamie, the national poet, writes in there. And I was like, they want my writing. Um, and they've asked me to write about me making photographs because I've, I've traveled, you know, quite a bit making um, images. Yep. And it's um, I've now kind of doing this series of things. So it looks like there might actually be a book coming out of um, me traveling around islands and writing about that experience and okay. the various culture, cultural things. And um, so it's kind of, you know, uh, through a lens type thing. Um, but in terms of photography books, yeah, I mean, the long form project, I've got another 10 year project, um, <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> I, when I first met my wife, uh, I was in the Faroe Islands in uh, 2015. And um, I've gone back there a few times and I've been photographing the changes there in society as it's opened up more for tourism. Yep. But um, I've taken, I was always afraid to take portraits of people. So I thought what I need to do is take portraits and in colour. Um, so I've been going back there uh, over this 10 year, I know I like to scare myself. Um, I've been going back there over a 10, 10 year period, um, photographing the same families and the same people. You know, there's people there who are, young children and now they're teenagers um so it's this kind of like life in the pharaohs over 10 years um so i think that'll probably be the next book photography book um but in australia i'm just sort of getting a grip to grips with the landscape there and i've been asked to do a book there on the landscape but it's such a different landscape different light different qualities and culturally you know with the um the indigenous population there yeah it's such a different way into the landscape and one where you have to be have um a level of respect and uh cooperation so if i do do a book on australia for example that's going to be such a that's gonna be a long journey you know that's gonna be another 10 years <laughs> yeah well that's it you've certainly got the next next 20 years of your life planned out in terms of photography projects which will be <laughs> which will be interesting um but no i, I like the sound of your your pharaoh's book in terms of 10 mm. years apart and i think yeah you could you could have some really nice writings there in terms of words about the the backgrounds of the portraits of the people and embedded within the landscape as well and it reminds me a bit of like the Ragnar Axelsson's books up in Iceland where he goes and photographs like the fishing fishing wee villages and you've got the bold woman who you wouldn't mess with in a dark alley amongst oh, no. this incredible landscape and just well, context well, that's the thing. Like, so Faces of the North is one of my favorite books. Yeah. I mean, that's it's an incredible, um, and it, there's he's released a small edition of, as in like a carry around nice sized edition, and it's I think everyone should have that in their um their photography libraries. Then I spent a couple of days with Rex uh, on Lewis a couple of years ago, and he and I really hit it off, and you know we exhibited together and did a couple of things, and yeah, he's he said he'll write the foreword to this book, um, which was a great honor because he's someone I really look up to but you know we photographed all the same people in the pharaohs you know we know the various families and we've had similar experiences on remote small islands and you know yeah. so yeah there's a lot of I've got a lot of time for him and what he does and yeah he's he's one of the the modern greats that's for sure yeah his his, his books are really really very impressive and I, I love I love to see what new work he's been up to and stuff like that as well and in mm. and amongst all the communities and but say amongst some some harsh landscapes. Well, did you um did you get a copy of Glacier? His um I his think landscape. I think uh, I do. I think book. I do have that one. I've got quite a few of his books. Um, yeah, I've got quite a few. I think about three or four of his books or so. But yeah, they're they're very nice. It's always nice to see what he comes up with next. 
for sure, you know, and him, him moving away from, um, for that one book away from his usual kind of work and looking at doing more aerial photography, yeah. you know, those are like abstract art pieces. Um, I mean, there's a lot of that around, but the fact that they're kind of stark black and whites and, you know, just, you know, that, that had an effect as well on my doctoral work. I started doing a lot of drone work uh, over yep. military bases and stuff. And yeah, so there's always this conversation and yeah, I need to catch up with him. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> And do you see more of your your more of I suppose your as you say you talked about your military the military aspect of your mm -hmm. PhD do you see more of that creeping into your work mm -hmm. in the future as well? Um, yeah, very much so. Um, so just for some background, um, I was born in Germany on a military base. Um, yeah. My father was a soldier. Uh, I'm from a long line of soldiers. My my brothers, one is a Royal Marine Commando, as I mentioned. The other one's yeah. in German naval intelligence. Right. Another one was in the Luftwaffe um so you know <laughs> they um it's a strong military family um and i thought Aha, i'm a photographer i'm an artist i've escaped all this and then ended up like my last paid job was with the ministry of defense you know so um so i end up doing stuff with the military or writing about the military um so moving forward yeah i mean i've just finished this doctorate and and um i'm now doing some work for Curtin university in, in western will be um going out to ukraine and um documenting some of the um environmental damage from the war cool. um i don't know how that's going to work out i've started working uh, and talking with people who are doing mine clearance uh people who are in the areas destroyed by the dam uh, yeah. when it was uh, destroyed by the russians um yeah. some of the rehabilitation of landscapes there um uh, yeah, it's it's a big, big project, um, but that'll start next year. So the military thing is is there very strongly, but that's sort of bringing my academic interests and my photographic interests together. Um, I don't know where it's going to go, but it's, it's uh, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. I listen to a lot of military podcasts, uh, follow the war every day, which can be quite hard going. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of a big part of, of my life now, uh, which is something I never thought would happen. You know, but it's, yeah, um, it's 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 hard, but I think it's 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 worthwhile. You know, yeah, it just, it just shows you how the twists and turns that one can take in, in in life. You never know where's next, but I think yeah, I think it's for me. It's such a really interesting subject to see photographs of in terms of uh, how the impact and that impact on the landscape, mm. impact on people, and impact on on wildlife, animal, everything like that as well, I think can always be quite for fascinating sure. because it, it, it lasts for, it's, it's I mean, there, for, there forever. That's the thing. And, you know, I've been quite moved by, um, like the photographer Paul Seawright. Um, he went out to, I think he went out to Afghanistan and he was documenting mine clearance areas, you know, these huge no man's lands, you know. Um, and there's been a number of other photographers, Simon Norfolk as well. Um, who I recently worked with on an article um, and just seeing them using their photography to spread a message or to kind of, you know, something they care about and to articulate that through photography, that's quite powerful. And I kind of think, well, if I'm going to be making images, it probably should be something that I care about and something that I feel that, you know, people might, you know, it's not a savior complex thing. It's more about being placed to start a discussion around things. Um, which is quite different from the Claudian work, you know. Yeah. But um, that's, I just feel like it's my contribution, really, is to do things like that.
Cool. And I know I know you're a big fan of photo books. I know you don't necessarily buy as many photo books as you would maybe like to or maybe once did. Have there been any photo books publishers that you've seen recently that look quite interesting? Or is there anyone who you'd like to see bring out a body of work in print that mm. maybe maybe hasn't hasn't hit the shelves yet? That's a really good question. Um so like my background as well as museums and archives, and there's there's so many great great bodies of work which could come out as books. But um, I think the last book I got was by uh, Linda Ross, and that was uh, through Another Place Press. Yep. And that was looking at the, it sounds dull, but it's a fantastic little book. I think they sold out the first run pretty much immediately. Um, and that was on the um, infrastructure of the Scottish Highlands. So um, <clears throat> these amazing images of, you've, did you have that one? You know, no, it? I I don't have it, but I know of it. Yes, I always keep a lookout, particularly for the ones in the Scottish Highlands or the the A nine ones and stuff mm. like that as well. They're always oh yeah them. yeah. Fra uh, Francis's it's work on A nine yeah. was great. But yeah, that yeah. I mean, her work's all fantastic. Um, yeah, there's that book. Um, you know, just showing the dams. You know, my grandfather worked on dams and looking at the kind of all those uh, pylons, those huge electric landscapes it was quite powerful and the way ian of another place press put those together yeah. it's just a great little book um i got that recently and just was kept going through it you know <clears throat> um but yeah i'm trying to think who else um there's a book i'm trying to remember the name of the photographer his name's on the tip of my tongue the body works called lowland highlanders all right um oh is it robert Irvin? uh that might not be right my apologies to him. Um, oh. Hopefully we can have this afterwards. But um, he made work in the south of Scotland um, in the highest town, One Lockhead. Yep. And um, that town is way up. Um, you know, I used to live in Dumfries and Galloway and he's captured this community in these absolutely gorgeous black and white images, you know, um, which um, is coming out in a book soon, I believe, uh, by Kozu. So there's a slight bias there. Oh, is, that um, John, is it John Irvin's but I think work? John Irvin, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know he... Yeah, I, he, right, yeah. Yeah, so I yeah, said yeah. Robert Irvin, John Irvin. Yeah, yeah John Irvin, yep. Yeah. Yeah, those are gorgeous images. Yeah. I mean, some of the landscapes in there are just, you know, they're just... They're fantastic. They kind of remind me... No, they're, they're just gorgeous. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, I really love the work of Mary Law upon Lewis and Harris. This is really Scottish bias, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish she'd bring out a book of her Hebridean work. And then there's Andrea Ingram, uh, who's up there as well. And she's um, quite a playful photographer. Um, we, When I worked at Atlanta as a, in the curatorial team there, we published a small book of her, her abstract images of the islands. And I'd love to see cool. a bigger book of that work, you know. Anyway, there's so many photographers um, that have got absolutely fabulous work. I could sit here all day <laughs> and talk absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there, there's so there's so much good work to come out, but it's, it's so nice to see publishers likes of another place, press, Taffarel books, mm. etc., who who do the small affordable stuff that allows people to maybe do a small run of a hundred uh, zine editions and stuff like that. That that gets that gets some of these projects out there that otherwise, as we said before, we didn't see the light of day, which is which is a real shame because they're they're really nice uh, work, really nice bodies of work that people have spent time putting together. For sure. I mean, the thing I like about Cafe World books is um, a lot of those, a lot of the photographers who are with them, I guess, they're all, they're old um, photojournalists. Yeah. And maybe only one or two images like of their work appeared, you know, in the press and they covered so much more, you know, uh, more than that. And to kind of see them fleshed out 
like um, Jeremy Sutton Hibbert's book, The Klondikers, <clears throat> fishing fleets in the north of Scotland, you know, yeah. um, and this, they've just been great for bringing that, that kind of work into kind of the public eye again. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Great, great to see some of the, great to see some of the publications come out. On that note, Alex, it's been a pleasure chatting to you uh, once again. Um, I know we tried to meet up in person. Maybe the next time you're back from Australia, we'll maybe manage to succeed this time. But uh, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you as always about about your work, what you're up to, and I look forward to seeing your your forthcoming publications, Alex. All the very best. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Okay.